With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. We started the brand with 3,000 euros. We took what we made from that collection. We put it into the next collection. We made some money from that collection. And then just step by step, day by day. I think there's a lot of people who are like, yo, this is not making sense for the business. (laughs) Heliot Emil is a luxury fashion brand in industrial elegance from Copenhagen, started by brothers Victor and Julius Jewell in their family basement. These people that can literally get anything they want i want that but done like this but in a different color with these things that they want to wear our clothes is like extremely humbling what do you think it is about the brand that catches the attention of some of the biggest names when it's a very competitive space with no outside money and just a few years in they've held runway shows in the official fashion week schedule and has been praised for their innovative designs it's important that it becomes more than what they are saying is cool. We don't want to say that other people should buy it because you think it's cool. Julius, who is creative director, was first headhunted to an agency in New York and then teamed up with his brother to start the brand and make their first fashion show digitally. That was like a bit like, uh, wow, this could actually be something, you know? And we were like blown away by the response. We did a pre-order on the site and it ended up covering all of the expenses that we had for that show. Going from a few thousand dollars to getting a fashion business afloat without financing and building a brand to the global scene by staying real to what you believe in. Fresh out of, uh, of a fashion show here in Paris. How do you feel? Pretty much. Um, I, I could do with a bit more sleep, but... Uh, <laughs> Other than that, I feel great. Yeah, really. I mean, uh, everything went super, super smooth. So I'm very, very happy. Yeah. How many hours have you slept the last week? Uh, I use like this app called Sleep Cycle. um, And it's not giving me the greatest feedback on the past week. Uh, I think like combined uh, last five days is maybe like 20 hours or something. Yeah. So not great. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that makes me even more thankful for uh, for coming <laughs> out here. We're in Paris, so I'm really excited about this. And during Fashion Week, and uh, a big week for you and your brother, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we're right in the middle of everything right now. Yeah. Yeah. How many times do you go to Paris, and is, is all of that business-related? or? Um, yeah, I mean, everything is uh, business-related in one sense or another. Um, we're here uh, for every Fashion Week, and that happens, like, four times a week. And then other than that, we're here to, like, uh, scout new locations or, like, check up on showrooms or meet with clients and that kind of stuff. So it's uh, – I should be, like, halfway through fluent in French by now, but <laughs> – Definitely not. Not yet? I'm like, no, no I'm like, uh, un bouillie vent blanc, s'il vous plaît. That's like, uh, that's as far as we go right now. But yeah, we're here quite a lot. So you and your brother, you started 
the company together, Heliot Emil. Yes, that's and, right. Uh, was that in 2017? Yeah, so that was the, the first collection. So mm. you're kind of like one uh, step ahead in the fashion calendar, kind of. So mm. actually, it was like late 2016 uh, when it came out. But the collection was spring, summer 17. I want to actually start off with going a little bit earlier in than that. Because, well, first of all... I met you and your brother, Victor, here in Paris, actually, uh, last year. We were introduced um, during Fashion Week, actually, in the fall. And what struck me almost immediately was that, like, you guys were doing something really unique. So I was like, these guys are really up to something. So that was something that struck me almost immediately. Um, And you guys are from Denmark, that's right. Copenhagen, Denmark. Copenhagen, Denmark. Okay. Yep. Is that also where you grew up in the Copenhagen area? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like center of Copenhagen, we grew up in a place called Frederiksberg. Mm-hmm. Um, so nice little neighborhood. Uh, yeah. yeah. So born and raised in the in the city. And in the early days in Denmark, were you like influenced by design or you know anything that remotely reminds you of of a week like this in Paris? Um. Of design, I don't know, but I was like, uh, like a, s- a skateboarder kind of kid. Uh, so within that world, I guess you can say that there's like some kind of like fascination of the the clothing aspect of things as well. So you were kind of like fascinated by what. Uh, the big stars they were wearing and you were trying to kind of like, I guess, replicate that a little mm. bit or like look at uh, what's what's cool now and like how can you combine things and what, what can you, you know, like put together to make a cool outfit. Yeah. The big skateboarder profiles? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So who were they? They're like the Tony Hawks of the world? Um, I was Bear Majera. <laughs> no, uh, I was very much into uh, like a, a brand called America. And they had uh, a crew uh, where it was like, yeah, just a bunch of really cool kids. Um, I was really into Andrew Reynolds was one of the guys Mm -hmm. and uh, Kevin Spanky Long, uh, who was like this, uh, I don't know, at that time he was like 17, 18 year old kid. And he was like kind of like. I guess goth-ish punk uh, kind of like cool kid. So I I really like you know like like that whole vibe. Um, they also had like a, a crew called Baker, mm-hmm. um, and so I always had like Baker skateboards and stuff. And I was always doing frontside flips because that was like uh, Andrew Reno's like signature kind of like uh, flip. And it's like, what is this frontside flip like? I never I never skateboarded, but I was always really impressed by people who could have that coordination in their body yeah i tried doing an ollie but i I stopped before it got too dangerous well it's all about like muscle memory pretty much you know like you 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 just got like practice and practice and practicing and then it gets so easy that you know like it never goes out of your your body almost um so frontside flip is like a kick flip and a 180 and one i think i understand i'm pretending (laughs) i understand (laughs) but i think yeah i'm just I was actually in Colombia a few weeks ago. Okay. And I walked past this half pipe kind of where people were skateboarding. And I just remembered how hard it was to do this ollie. <laughs> and I'm seeing people doing like crazy tricks. Yeah. You know, no protection at all. They're just going back and forth. But like skateboarding is like 
it's so hard. I don't think people understand how hard it is <laughs> before they try. No, it's kind of weird that, you know, like you have this idea of like a, a skater kind of like kid being this slouchy kind of like yeah. lazy dude. And then you realize how complicated skateboarding actually is in terms of like all the, the ways you got to like move your body and everything. And you see this, let's say like... um uh, a climber as like the, you know, like the exact opposite, right. Of this, but actually they're, you know, like coordination and body, like, uh, the way that they can move their bodies is like somewhat similar, but I guess it's just like a stereotypical kind of like way of seeing, uh, the, the sport. So were you like thinking of doing something with the skateboarding or is that like something you were you know, uh, killing back, time with? Back then, I mean, it was more just like, you know, you're, 13 14 15 it's like you don't really think about like what your life is going to pan out to be um but actually i was like really fascinated with filming as well so i was like the one that was recording kind of like we made these you know mm. like small little homemade movies for the with the crew so like that kind of skateboarding like, yeah exactly oh, wow. so that got me into like <clears throat> video editing and like um you know fascination with like creating something like uh, making let's say like the graphic design also mm. aspect of like things and it was like competitions where you could design a board and you could win something so like always like try to do something like that so okay. i guess it like it kind of like paved the way also for the fascination of like creating things yeah and what did you do with the videos when you had edited when you were skateboarding and then you edited them like what did you do with the final product was that already when social media was a thing and you could like upload it or no it it definitely wasn't i mean this was like right when youtube kind of like came out yeah. so very very early um so it's like 2006 2005 maybe yeah i mean i guess maybe like seven eight something yeah. like that uh six seven eight um and yeah i i think it was just about like posting it there and then sharing it there was these like forums uh uh, with like local skate crews and stuff i guess i don't know if they have that in other countries as well but there was one in denmark uh called manual and they you know like there would be like these threads of like uh, new crews that were doing videos and stuff and you would share it in there and you would be like hoping that people would be like uh, seeing your things and stuff and then you would make these like there, it was like a thing to make these sponsor me videos. So you would make like a, a collection of clips and you would have like in the start, you would have your whatever. And in the end, you would have your hammer, which was like your, you know, like your biggest trick. Um, yeah. So that was like a thing. What cameras did you use into, you know, those years, like 2007, eight? Did you, did you have your like phone? No, no, uh, no, that was before iPhone. Yeah. It was before iPhone, right. Yeah. yeah so um, I had a vx 1000 i think it was called uh sony but it's a digital one it's like a tape like uh okay really? tape uh, on tape dv uh mini dv yeah so you would have to like uh get that with like wires into the computer in order to like play it over and it would have to play like in real time to record it onto the computer and everything <laughs> i'm sounding really old <laughs> like, i think i'm older like, than you. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah but it, like I, I mean it reminds you of how much that has happened in some spaces <laughs> oh absolutely it's it's insane like i was speaking to uh one of my one of my friends who's like a videographer and <clears throat> and i was asking him also because back when when i started like doing uh video and like all of these things it was like 
I could impress the client just by having a camera, you know? And this was like right when the DSLR was like, you know, like on the rise, right? And and then now literally people have an iPhone with like a cinema kind of like uh, output, right? So you can't really impress your client just by saying like, oh, this is depth of field, you know? It's like, it's like... Now well, it's almost the other way around, I guess. No. Like before I learned anything about video, mm-hmm. I was like, why do I need to buy a DSLR for like, you know, $5,000 with a lens yeah. when I have an iPhone yeah. that I got last year, you know? Exactly. Until so, you see it, <laughs> that's yeah. when you recognize like most, why they still are around. Oh, most definitely. I mean, but I think, you know, like beyond that, I think there's also just now a bit more focus on like what you can actually create with it um, mm. more than just like the let's say the quality of uh, the the footage or something like that, um, which I think is, you know, like it's, it's fascinating. Was that like a bit of why you went into like media and journalism when you started studying after? Uh, I guess that's kind of like where it came from. I've never really thought about that, but I think... It's a very leading question for me. Yeah. I don't know why it's I like, asked yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's it doesn't like, have anything to do with this, it. <laughs> uh, no, it, I mean, it, uh, I think it's, it's somewhat true that, you know, like from... Uh, putting out something and mm. expecting a response from people, you know, mm. like you, you get fascinated by like creating and like uh, creating things that people can see uh, with your ideas and stuff. And this was also, you know, like I was doing website design and like graphic mm. design and like things like that. So I think that that was like where the fascination started. Uh, and then I think the, the, in the beginning, the, the kind of like perfect output for this was advertising because then yeah. you could sort of like put all your powers into one and tell stories for, for people. And that's uh, at that time really what I wanted to do. And did you like do it through your own agency or did you work during studying or how did you apply that? Um, I did, I had my own, uh, little studio kind of thing. Um, and then I also worked at an agency as like a junior art director. Um, so something to pay the bills and something mm. to like get a bit of creative output through. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause then you, you moved to the U S right yep. after you were studying. Was that it? Yep. Yeah. It was actually while I was studying. While you were studying. Yeah. Okay. So I got a job offer, like uh, out of nowhere kind of thing. Um, and You got a job uh, offer for? For being an art director oh, no, at okay. uh, <clears throat> a big agency uh, in New York. And how, I was, how do you do that when you're studying in Denmark? Um, so I sent an application for an internship and the application was quite uh, extra. Uh, it was like a website where I had made a video of myself like uh, performing a thing and like I was like doing a lot. And then I sent an actual like poster with the video or sorry, with the website um, linked to the the creative director of the agency. Um, and then I sent that, uh, whole thing. And immediately after he called me and he was like, where are you now? And at that time I was in, uh, the film festival, uh, for advertising in Cannes. Oh. And he was like, okay, I'll fly to Cannes tomorrow and we can talk. And he wow. was like, flew to Cannes. We met up and he was like, um, I want to hire you full time as an art director in my company and like, well, you can move to New York. I'll pay for the visa. You know, I'll sort all of that out. And I was like, you know, Are you- <laughs> 19, no, at 20 years old, I was like, 
Okay. Can, that... you, can you imagine his reaction when he saw your application? Yeah. He was probably pretty stoked. <laughs> I, I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, like you got to stand out somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I moved to New York. I was like, uh, uh, you know, huge ego and thinking like I can, I can do everything. Um, so it was uh, very much like just big, uh, bright eyes trying to take it things to the next level um moved to new york worked in advertising for a couple of years uh found out that in advertising uh, the client is kind of like your boss in mm. the end so they decide like what they think is creative and what they think uh should move on to the next steps and stuff and i got a bit fed up with that so i was like if i have to do this i have to do this on my own so i quit started my own agency uh, in the u.s in the u.s okay. yeah um and, and how, uh, how many years had you been there I, before you did that? Uh, in the U.S. or at the agency? In the U.S. Uh, before you started your own thing. Yeah. Well, I guess it was the same. So it was about two years. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, and after that, I was like, okay, uh, now I got to like do more of like what I actually like and what I'm passionate about. And that was more into the fashion industry. So started getting more clients that were like fashion related and started doing invitations and like presentations and like uh, um, creating like yeah communication for other um, fashion companies hmm. so that was were kind of like the we focused on like video or did you do it was a lot of video yeah. uh, in the beginning because that's like uh, especially at that time was an easy kind of like sell mm -hmm. um, but beyond that it was also like invitations and like uh, creative direction there was like some website design even and like it, just like a bunch of things about how to communicate the, the brand in other ways <laughs> than just the clothes. And like invitations to their events, like their shows and that kind of thing? Exactly, okay. yeah. Uh, show invitations, <clears throat> invitations for like, yeah, just like, it was also like store design. Uh, it was packaging. It was like things that, you know, like how can you tell the story of this brand beyond just the, the clothing? Mm. And for somebody who's listening and don't really know how creative you can be with an invitation, <laughs> I guess most people would think about that coming in, yeah. in an email. Yeah. You know? um, but what, what is what are like ways of well, seeing of that? I think I mean it is uh, sadly a lot like that now. Um, but I think there is definitely sort of like a history of the the fashion invitation of also being a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of companies have throughout created these like amazing uh, invitations. There's like. Uh, special ones that go into sort of like the history books of like invitations, especially like Margiela is like very famous for having creating some some really cool invitations. Um, also, in, in my opinion, uh, Louis Vuitton through Virgil uh, mm. also had like some amazing invitations. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a few of them myself. Mm. Uh, so. Rest in peace. What were one of those like? Um, the one that I really think was like next level genius was uh, a clock uh, that had only Louis Vuitton logos as the the um, the time uh -huh. um, numerals, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it was going backwards, so the clock was going backwards. And so you received a physical clock in your post, an box. actual like wall clock. Oh, wall clock. Yeah. Um, was was there? Yeah. And I was just like, 
this guy is like beyond genius. Like it's, it's so simple, like a clock that runs backwards, but it's, it says so much about like the whole thing that he's trying to communicate, you know, like just <clears throat> throwing people off by like a little bit makes the whole difference, mm. you know? Okay. And then attached to the clock, there was somewhere information about the actual of course. Yeah, yeah. You still got like a, you know, like a, a cardboard thing saying like you uh, can meet here and here, you're mm. sitting here and here, you know, mm. it's like th those are still, you know, like relevant, but it's sort of like giving people a bit of like an insight into what the show is about through uh. the invitation. But at the same time, it's also like a collectible uh, item right. from there. Balenciaga uh, through Demna has also had some very memorable like... Uh, invitations throughout time what was the connection between the clock and the show in this case with the clock going backwards um i think he was like trying to communicate sort of like this this dream world uh it was also a lot about like being there was like a lot of clouds and it was like a, a big space that was all like meant to be like in the clouds mm -hmm. um and it was sort of like a, a comment on like this has no time and place kind of thing uh and also i think it's just like the the idea that time reflected into something will sort of like translate in a different way hmm. does that make sense yeah i think so yeah <laughs> like mumbling yeah no but i think i mean i i guess that could you can like pull the the parallel into what you're going to see at the show and then what the, eventually the collection is going to be about and, yeah yeah i think i mean both that but also it's just like a little bit of like a, a teaser of uh creativity you know like another output where you can do something that's like interesting for people to to play around with yeah you know like it doesn't have to directly sort of like translate into the clothes um some of them do but there's also just some that are like you know like this is another way of expressing some creativity Mm. And were you mainly working with fashion clients or was that? Uh, yeah, it was mainly fashion clients at, at that time. There was also, I did some, some work for Adidas and for Nike and, and stuff. Um, but it was mainly like a fashion sort of like related clients. Um, and then I started working for a brand called Hood by Air, mm. uh, which was at that time a very sort of like, uh, up and coming like a uh, brand very focused on you know like that bringing that uh, I don't want to say street culture because it has like the the wrong associations but um, yeah bringing that into the the high fashion scene um, so I started working with them doing like uh, graphic design and like packaging and videos and like yeah that sort of stuff so at this time when you're in New York, um, your brother is still in Copenhagen? He's in Copenhagen, yeah. Um, so he's studying business. Uh, so we were like still talking back and forth a lot and starting to sort of like formulate what the, you know, a, a company or doing something together could look like. Mm. Um, so, but we were still doing, you know, like primarily doing different things than, uh, than working on something. Mm. Okay, so you were like kind of bouncing the idea off each other to like do something together or like do something else? Yeah, you know? exactly. It, it, I mean, it's always kind of like uh, 
been in the cards, I guess, that we would do something together. Um, we've been sort of like inseparable since we were very young. Um, the first time we've ever been like, you know, like separated for more than two weeks was when I moved to New York. So oh. uh, since we were like kids. What's uh, the age difference between? Three years. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like we're like close, but we've always just had the same sort of like circle of friends. We've always had, you know, like same interests and that kind of stuff. And we've always done things together, sort of like back to back. So I think that's, you know, like it was kind of like, you know, we, we cannot not do something together. Mm. You know, it's like, um, yeah. So that it all makes sense to, to do something. And it just, you know, like we were formulating and we were thinking, okay, um, fashion seems like an easy kind of like <laughs> thing to do. I mean, <laughs> I beautifully, love that word. the keyword there is easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very beautifully naive, you know, um, thinking that, but we didn't know anything, you know? So for us, it was just like, okay, let's, let's, let's try it out. And that let's see, you know, like, I think, you know, like, thank God we were, you know, didn't know <laughs> everything that we were going into, you know, we had to be like more focused on just thinking, okay, this is easy. And then, you start digging and then once you're once you're in you know like you, you can't stop kind of yeah yeah it's it's too late to, to stop anyway. exactly yeah yeah but were you much. uh outside of your job and and with clients in fashion were you also like personally interested in like your free time as well from that age yeah definitely i mean i was uh always like fascinated by communication and like telling things so and i think that one way you can do that is through clothes and if that's like a personal expression that you can do through your own clothes your own style uh or if it's like as a brand that you can do that tell a story through clothes i think that's a beautiful medium that you can do it through but i think with fashion there's a special sort of like thing that it's not always just about the product. There's also sort of like a, you know, like a, a whole world around it, you know, like you can't really say why uh, Louis Vuitton is Louis Vuitton, but you, you kind of know that everything sort of like plays together and creates like a, a bigger thing, right? Mm. And was this the case for your brother as well? Did he share the same interest in, in clothing? I am not sure if he was like particularly, you know, like super interested in clothing. I think it was more for him. It was like the entrepreneurship of mm. uh, things. It was more like creating something and, and being sort of like in charge of something and, and uh, creating uh a company and and making things happen based on like something that you do yourself. I guess with his like interest in, in business and and creating relationships with uh, people and and that kind of stuff. I think that that was more the side that he was like interested in. And it also makes sense because that's how we sort of like split the the whole business. Is like mm. he he's in charge of everything that relates to operations and business and all of that stuff. And I'm in charge of everything creative. So. The shows, the clothes, the communication, everything like that. When you're, you and your brother are talking, can you take me through that process? Like when you're going from the idea to the first kind of like product that you're sure, like this is the one that we're going to produce. It feels like a very long step oh yeah you know, i mean from that first idea until you have it in your hand <laughs> there is a lot of steps that you go through um i think now it's more 
systematized than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, because we didn't know anything about like how to sort of like take these steps, it was very much just like ad hoc, you know, and like just thinking about things, trying to see if that can be created, and then you know taking things step by step, not knowing okay, uh, like how do we manufacture this? What's it gonna cost? What are we gonna sell it at? You know, like all of those things. So slowly, bit by bit, season by season, we're learning new things and applying those things that we've learned to the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, and I think the way that we started is so different from like how, you know, like things are created now. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot more specifics that go into it now. So you have to sort of like look at all the numbers you have to look at all the, you know, like the things that are happening, developing in the company. You have to look at all your, um, relationships with your manufacturers. You have to put everything together. Um, there's, you know, like just layers and layers and things, um, the sustainability aspect of things like the combinations of, uh, how you're telling your story. Does that relate with what's actually making it possible for you to make a collection the next time and all of those things. So there's a lot more that goes into it. It's like a, you know, an equation that looks like, yeah. uh, very very complicated and long um and sometimes there's things that are related more to like the creative aspect and things where it's like something that i really believe in and things that i want to push and i say like this is something that i think is cool and, and could be interesting to do and victor is really good at saying like okay i trust you um let's do it even though it's not what you know like what's showing that bringing in and sometimes it's like you know we we gotta do something in this direction because people really sort of like um seeing this as a as a part of the the collection right mm. um and sometimes it just takes more time to cement things with people like you you're looking at uh you know like two years or something before people have actually sort of like adapted to your to your product whereas like mm. the fashion cycle is more like I mean, you say it's like six months, but really it's like you look at the idea, you kind of like get the the first uh, salesman sample, as you call it, and then you're already kind of like over it. Really? <laughs> okay. I mean, you feel it's like, okay, like, yeah. you, you did it, you know, like, okay, yeah. what's next kind of. Um, but really in order to cement it with people, it's like that product then goes into the stores, it sells, oh, there's a success. Okay, they order more of it and then it goes deeper and deeper and then you maybe make like more very of that one thing you know you can see it like with all the big brands now they have like a full range of something that started as like just one little simple idea you can get into fashion in a lot of different ways and uh i mean with heliot emil is, is that how you pronounce it emil heliot yes emil. Uh, emil. i didn't know if it was emil because in sweden you say emil for yeah. the name uh, <laughs> yeah and you named this after your grandfather that's correct right? yeah um if you get into fashion, you can do it in a lot of different ways. But you you guys are really competing with the big brands. You're here at Paris Fashion Week. You have runway shows. Was that something you were thinking about like already from day one? Like that's the segment we're going to go into? Because you could also, you know, there's so many other types of fashion brands that you could go into or be. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's like also kind of like come with obviously the advancements of social media it's like now there's more than ever um different ways that you can start all tons of businesses mm -hmm. right 
but especially fashion has like really had a, a shift in sort of like how you create a successful um, fashion company. I guess for me, it was always like a huge dream to compete uh, or some way be next to uh, the the greatest of all time, you know, like the biggest brands. And, and I think that one way that you can do that is by coming here to, to Paris to uh, be part of the official schedule of Paris Fashion Week. And, and that's always been like a huge dream for me to, to do something like that. But I don't necessarily think that that's the only way that you can sort of like get to, to this stage. Yeah. But the high fashion world was something that like already from day one you were setting the goal on, I guess, because you had your first collection shown in Milan, was it? Yeah, so we showed uh, in Milan in spring, summer 17, but that was in showroom. So we right. didn't show the collection as like a, a runway uh, show there. We started doing our runways in Copenhagen, uh, where mm. we're from. So we did the first couple ones there. And after a very short time, it was, you know, like there was 300 people outside of our show wanting to get in and being kind of like restless as I am. I was like, okay, uh, that, that was it. You know, like we've, we've, uh, we've done it. We've reached the top here. What can we do next? You know, like how can we, you know, like get it to that next level and then bam, COVID happened. Uh, mm. everyone's like, and no physical shows ever again. <laughs> kind of. yeah. um, that was like the feeling. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of like, everyone was like, okay, the world is over. It you felt know? like everybody was like reevaluating what, what normal world was like. Like, are we ever going to fly for a meeting again? People exactly. Were asking. Yeah. yeah. It was like, well, is the airline business actually dead? Yeah. I was like, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that happened and we couldn't do shows, but we luckily enough, actually right before COVID, we did our first digital show because yeah. we thought that was a way that we could sort of like reach more people so we created this actually a really cool idea a site with seven different angles of a show so that people coming into the site they could pick the angle that they wanted to see the show from so if you wanted to see it more close up if you're really into details like if you're into the makeup or whatever then you can see it really close up if you want to see it from like the far away then there was an angle for that so that's something so you, that we did you do that like way before the digital yeah. show was like a widespread thing because of COVID. Exactly. We did that in 2019 um, as like uh, a step in into taking things to the next level kind of and, and trying to release it to everyone. So it wasn't just like uh, focused on the, the few people that come to Copenhagen Fashion Week because we knew that we were already sort of like more a global brand or like trying to reach a global audience more than we were trying to like impress the people in Copenhagen. Um, so we wanted to like make something where people could be involved from everywhere, you know, like if you're in Fiji or Nigeria or whatever, you can have the same experience of the show. Mm. Um, and it was extremely successful. Um, and we were like blown away by the response. Like actually we did a pre-order on the site and it ended up covering all of the expenses that we had for that show, which is like, wow. like it was like mind blowing to us. And this um, was already in like year three then. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Year two, three. <clears throat> yeah. Um, of everything. So that was like a bit like, uh, 
wow, this this could actually be something, you know. Oh. We actually had the operation of LVMH reach out to us and ask us how we do digital shows <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> because apparently we've become like the experts on yeah. by doing like one show. And, and you were doing it before it was cool. Yeah, oh. exactly. And they were like, could you do something like this for Dior? And I'm like, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, quite like, you know, like, wow, you know, maybe look at what we're doing. And I think it's always been important to me to to do things that are innovative and, and interesting because that's how you can sort of like stay ahead of the curve um, because we know that we're never going to be able to compete with, let's say, the product of uh, what Louis Vuitton is coming out with because we just don't have that sort of like... Uh, craftsmanship and and like that uh level of engagement uh with the clothes is like just we can't compete there but mm -hmm. what we can compete on is like the creativity because uh, that's something that you know like is kind of free for for people to come up with like cool ideas that um can can be possible and and that was one way to kind of like try and be innovative and, and do new things and the style of the clothes, like monochromatic, is mm -hmm. that how you say? Um, was that like a style clothes that you felt yourselves were missing that you you wanted to wear, or how how did that design come about? Um, I guess like being from Copenhagen, it's very much like pastel colors and like free and flowy and flowers and and everything, um, especially for the girls. Uh, and I think the the guys is a little bit more just like minimalistic and like very simple and, and straight cuts. Um, like the furniture from from Denmark. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's also I guess where the appreciation fascination comes from with like having something that's that uh, clean and mm. and simple in in the expression. Um, but uh, I think. Uh, it comes from like a, a personal fascination of sort of like the beauty in uh, industrial uh, elements for, for me. Um, I've always been, you know, like very into what is what does the machine look like uh, underneath the hood, you know, mm -hmm. like not trying to cover things up, but like really showing what the bits and bolts and that kind of stuff looks like um so i guess that's where like the fascination of of uh showing a bit more of like this rawness and like this realness uh come from okay yeah so rather a transparent hood over the engine than covering it with something else exactly uh, yeah, yeah. I, th I think you really get that feeling and it's like uh to me, it feels like a mix of this monochromatic with the, like the industrial, as you're saying, but it's also like minimalistic. It's a lot of metal mixed with black. For me, looking from the outside, it feels like a very in its own thing. Well, thank you, thank you so much. I mean, it's it's uh, you know there there will always be others that have that same sort of like expression. It's the same thing in you know like uh, film and art and these kind of things. It's like everything is a remix. You know, like mm. nothing we can do is is so brand new that. That it doesn't relate to anything that we've done before but 
there are different combinations that you can do, you know, like that's why it's also interesting to, you know, like be a chef or something like that. Mm. Right. Because yes, you have the, the culinary world to work with. Like we can only eat these things out of the, the earth. Um, but you can combine them and, and push them in, in different ways that will create another experience. Um, so I think that, you know, like it's the same thing with us. Uh, there are, you know, like definitely people that are in the same space and in the same category, but I think we're, we're kind of like all unique in our, in our own ways. Mm. There's this famous saying, I think it's Henry Ford who said that if he would be asking people what they would have wanted, they would have said faster horses, Mm -hmm. but then he invented the Ford, the T Ford. And you guys are competing on innovation, like coming up with a new, a lot of new things. How do you think about analyzing the macro and and what's happening out there and taking your inspiration from there versus like from the inside? That's a great question actually. Um, because it's sort of like, if you look at what people want, then, you know, like they already know that they want it. So in a way they kind of like, don't want it, you know, Mm. does that make sense? Like, you know, like you can't really describe what it is that you want until you see something where you're like, wow, I didn't even know that I wanted that, but like now I want it like even more. Um, so I think, it's always super important to, to stay true to yourself and, and to not be, uh, too influenced by like people, what people are saying they want more of, Mm. you know, like obviously you gotta like not always like try to like provoke people to, to, you know, like want something different. You gotta stay sort of like within the same space, but always give them something new that they didn't really think or think to to want if mm. that makes sense like yeah. because they the the grasp of like what people um will say that they want is within their own sort of like understanding of what it could be but if your understanding of what it could be is greater than that then you can give them an even like greater experience mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah like it's the same thing i guess like now also again with music or like the culinary world or something like that if you just tell like oh i want a song that's like this but like uh louder or more like that then once it comes out you're you're not really like uh really um you know like mind blown by it Mm. but if you get something where you're like i didn't know how to kind of like react to it then you know like you're you're like more even more fascinated by it um but it's a great question uh yeah and fashion is, is culture right so that's why you have you have artists um in, in you know a week like this in Paris and you have DJs and people from music and so on do you like look into other worlds than fashion for inspiration for the design as well because you know speaking from my own experience finding like a creative process is really hard especially when you're doing it in your job and, and coming up with things but I, I'm really fascinated about like how do you how do the ideas generate no that's a that's a great question and and also i mean it's very true what you're saying that fashion is sort of like a a reflection of the the contemporary era that we're in right it's uh 
kind of like showing the world through an art medium what's happening right now right um and i think because the output is so fast like it really translates uh very quickly to what's happening so if there are like geopolitical things that are happening in the world then they're very quickly reflected in fashion um there has been numerous geopolitical uh incidents as well that has changed sort of like the framework of what we look at as like fascinating within the industry so i think that fashion has a, and a great you know like medium as well but again it's shared with something that is you know like a space where um, it's also something that covers a need, you know, like you, you have to actually be able to wear the, the jacket and it has to be kind of warm, you know, so you're like dealing in this like middle space where it's like people are comparing, you know, uh, couture with, uh, uh, fast fashion, right. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like in the same space, even though you're absolutely not, you know, like it's kind of like comparing, uh, some of the greatest artists to uh, a poster company or something like that. Right. And, and by then people will know, Oh, I know that this poster will never go into the museum, but they don't really know the same thing about fashion like that that old couture dress is not actually meant to be worn you know like it's it's a reflection of like the designer's creativity you know and and that's something that people especially on social media have a hard time kind of like sometimes um you know like seeing because they will comment like oh how are you ever gonna wear that it has like only one sleeve or you know it's like <laughs> It's like no, that's not the point. Yeah. Um, so it's it's uh, it's interesting, um, but I think it's it's important that you know like that the creators they stand up and that they speak uh, as much as possible and 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 help things push it into the right direction. I think there's a lot of interesting things happening within sustainability uh, and within pushing things to the next level within this industry that hopefully can also ref be reflected. And, and can be seen uh, through other industries then, you know, like, let's say, hypothetically, the fashion industry came up with a way of doing uh, a certain material uh, that is very, very uh, sustainable. And then they start using that in the sports industry. And then the sports industry is then, you know, reflected then into um, another industry and, and so on, uniforms or whatever. And and then you started something in the fashion industry that then is reflected through other industries that also look at these innovations. Um, and I think that that's important that fashion continues to be that uh, leading star within within uh, that medium. I think you really uh, you really hit some some very interesting points there. And, and like one of them, I think, is you know speaking of the runway shows, like what people are seeing on these shows and uh, then they're thinking about clothes like how are you wearing them what is it that the designer wants to say and what's the business rationale behind you know a fashion show like mm -hmm. that where you're having models wearing clothes that people probably won't wear on the street like, yeah What's the thinking? I think a lot of people don't understand how that works. Absolutely. Um, I think you're not the only person asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people, especially also within the, the companies, like, 
yo, this is not making sense for the business. <laughs> like it's very expensive yeah. and we're not seeing any increase in sales. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, you're not the only person asking that question because obviously now we have so many ways of communication and, uh, that are extremely measurable. So you can literally see with like, um, ads on social media, like what is the return on investment here, mm. you know, like uh, as a number and you can't really see that with a fashion show. You can't see the exact sort of like, what is the number that came from this thing? But I think one thing, um, that's really sort of like dominant, uh, is that, the the thing that you can create where the sum is greater than its parts uh that's when you have created something um that goes that extra mile that that translates um that much better you know you don't really show necessarily the product but you're showing uh off a part of the universe. And I think that's also why, you know, like big brands, they sponsor athletes. Like, it's not like once you drink a Red Bull, you're going to be able to jump out of a, a spacecraft, yeah. you know, and, and like spin down like Felix Baumgartner. But doing that reflects that this is the type of stuff that Red Bull does. You know, like, it's not like you're exactly going to be wearing that piece from the runway, but being wearing the t-shirt makes you uh, a supporter or part of the idea that you respect uh, the world um, that they are creating the brand. When visiting a new country or city, I find that food is at the heart of almost all cultures. But finding the real gems can usually be a challenge and it can be hard to know where to go for recommendations. A new benefit as an American Express Platinum member is their dining experience. And it's one with a lot of value if you like trying new restaurants like me. I'm a member in Sweden, which gets you a two-course dinner for two people three times per year at selected restaurants. And what I especially like is that it also gives me recommendations to try out new curated restaurants. And also when traveling, you get your money back on the restaurant bill up to a certain level per year. So if you want to read more about how the dining experience works, check out the Platinum card in the description or on the American Express website. And specific dining terms and conditions apply. So the universe that the brand is creating, like a part of that universe is, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah. And um, it must be incredibly hard because at a fashion week for instance you have a lot of shows and it gets a lot of attention and i mean brands continue to do it year after year several times a year and so i guess it, it makes a lot of sense but it, it's a very fascinating thing that you know i don't really see it in other industries either like where you have like this concentration around like certain times of no, year and then it gets shown to so many people um, yeah. but it's also hard to measure so so i guess it's a lot of feeling in it yeah to, to see what like how to make the decisions on whether to do it and how to do it yeah i think so i mean obviously there are things that you can measure and there are also sort of like you know it's kind of like 
um, impressing your partners as well. Like the people that you're inviting to your shows, they are the buyers. They're the, the magazines that will be making articles about you throughout uh, the year. They, they will, uh, the, the buyers will be buying the collection and, and you're trying to also translate and, and impress them in, in certain ways. And you can do that through a show. Uh, you can collect everyone at one point and then say like this is like a uh, to show you guys what we're doing right now and obviously you don't want to just show them like the hoodie and the t-shirt you know uh, even though they might know that that's what's going to sell in their stores um, but you want to show them okay this is what the next level uh, looks like mm. um, so I think it's like you know like it's it's a bit of a mix of, of everything it's like showing your your peers, uh, what's going on is like showing your community what's happening. It's like a, it's a vibe. It's a, you know, like it's, it's fun. It's cool. Um, so it's not like, you know, you're always looking for like, why are we doing this? Why, you know, like sometimes it's also just like, you know, it's, it's fun and it's like, it's cool. And, uh, you, you want to be able to do fun and cool stuff, uh, through your, your work. Um, and that's how you sort of like, get to that next level you know so it feels really like that you and your brother found a world to be in which is a very good match with who you are as <laughs> personalities as well like <laughs> I mean, sometimes yep. you can see people who are working with something that is just very remote from who they are in real life i've worked at jobs like you know in the past that mm -hmm. were like i'm not feeling like a big overlap really between who i am and this job but right. i i I have a feeling like for you guys, it's a very like uh, your your personal life and the business life is kind of absolutely. Very the I same. mean the the lines between business and pleasure are definitely blurred. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I think that's amazing and that's beautiful for us that you know like we can go out with uh, our partners uh, to dinners and stuff and that's something that we actually like to do you know like we like to be around people we like to talk and and you know like uh, talk about all the all the things that are happening and and while that is also part of you know the strategic business sort of like relationship building but it's also just like part of like who we are and and I think that that's important that whatever you do in life you gotta stay true to what you can actually enjoy um, mm. because that's when it really becomes fascinating when you're sitting at 2 a.m and you didn't even realize that it was 2 a.m but you're just so damn passionate about this thing that you cannot let it go and you cannot uh not do it you know so i think that's like uh what the perfect sort of like ideal scenario looks like for for me at least so this is like something that you would have done in your free time even maybe if you would be working at another job yeah if i had that much yeah. free time yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly no most definitely yeah how have you guys financed this over the years i guess it's a it's pretty costly well now it's been up and running but have you bootstrapped this from the beginning or have you taken in external investments We've never taken in anything. And a lot of people think that, you know, like we come from this uh, super wealthy background or something like that. You know, they're just these like uh, guys from blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's absolutely not true at all. We like did not uh, get a salary for the first like two, three years, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and 
for us, it's never been about the money. Like it's never, never been even like a motivating factor. Uh, so we started the brand with 3000 euros. We took what we made from that collection. We put it into the next collection. We made some money from that collection. We took that, we put it into the next collection and then literally just step-by-step build it, uh, day by day. And it's still like that to this day. We're taking what we made from the previous collection. We're seeing how do we invest this money the best to grow the business. And we've never taken in any external cash. We don't have any debt and we've been like uh positive from day one so i think uh we're very very fortunate um and we're sort of like lucky enough that we uh were able to sort of like live cost efficiently for uh, some time that this was possible um but it's never been about the money for us so so i think that that's also very important uh for us that it also never becomes about the money um because that's when you compromise i think and so not taking a salary for those first two or three years, I guess that's kind of a, like a sacrifice in a way uh, when you're seeing what other people um, who are your friends and they're getting a certain stream of income that you don't have during those years. Like, mm-hmm. well, that's something that, you know, was hard or was it like it, it was just a part of it? How did you think about that? Um, I think, I mean, Copenhagen is actually kind of like in a way beautiful like that, that you don't really um, pay a lot of value to people who have a ton of money. Um, I mean, the the lawyer can be best friends with the, the trash man, you know, it's like, there's not really that sort of like separation in, in wealth. So I think that there's not that focus on it. So you don't really even speak to your friends about it or like, if your friends are saying like, Oh, I'm a bit, you know, like strapped on cash. You're like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'll get this one. You, you get the next one. You know, it's not, it's not like that, that you feel like, Oh, I can't hang out with these people because they don't have the same lifestyle as me or things like that. So I think that that sounds like a great vibe. It is. It is really, really nice. And more places in the world. Yeah. I mean, especially going to New York and seeing how uh, extreme the the separation is between the the people and, and the wealth there. It, kind of like made me realize you know like I didn't know what I had in in Copenhagen Mm. um and yeah I think also just like you know like going out to to clubs and stuff there's like not a separation like everyone is on the dance floor it's like it doesn't matter if you're like a high roller model whatever it's a blah 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 you're still on the you know the same floor as everyone else and going to New York it's literally like uh, steps and yeah. <laughs> you know like oh you're not allowed on step three because uh, you don't because have there's this. a private equity company owning this club <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so I think that um with that we never you know like it was never su- super present that we weren't taking out any any uh anything for ourselves um and I was lucky enough to have uh, some money saved up because I, like we talked about, did a bunch of video and, and design for like other companies. So I was still doing that on the side and, and getting some income from that so that I could sort of like maintain uh, just like a normal lifestyle and, and was able to also do the, the whole project and, and the brand on, on the side. So Heliot Meal, it, it's received a lot of praise and it caught the attention of a lot of like big names in in culture and in fashion and, and so on. Um, what do you think it is about the brand that like 
catches the attention of you know some of the biggest names in culture when it's a very competitive space that's a good question like if i knew that exactly i think it would be very easy to replicate again and again and again um but i i honestly like don't really know what it is that that people find fascinating and that people sort of like um reflect with or you know like they that they, they see themselves in um i think it's just possibly the authenticity and and the fact that you know like we're quite streamlined in in what we're doing and we're staying in our in our own space in our own lane and we're not really like catering to these people and i think it's the same thing with celebrities as we were talking about before that if they kind of like uh already know what they want they kind of like don't want it but if they see something where it's like oh you know like i didn't know that i wanted this and then it starts to become fascinating and i mean we never share anything with like the celebrities that are wearing the clothes like um yeah like all the the big name celebrities have worn the clothes but we've never sort of posted it on uh our feed on instagram or something like that uh i think for us it's important that it becomes more than what they are saying is cool you know like we we need to say that we think that this is cool it's very cool that you sort of like uh, feel the same way, but we don't want to say that other people should buy it because you think it's cool. You know, like we, we want to say that we think it's cool. It's, um, I'm happy that you think so too, but it's equally as valued that other people also think it's cool. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense because as opposed to, as you're saying, you could be reposting a lot of things and then it's almost like kind of as if you're, following them and i get in a way i guess exactly. whereas this like you're you're going this direction it's, if people like it it's great uh, yeah but it doesn't really matter who likes it no and, i mean uh, obviously we're super humbled by <clears throat> you know like these people that can literally get anything anything mm-hmm. they want they can just like point and say like i want that but done like this but in a different color mm-hmm. with these things and the fact that they want to wear our clothes is like extremely humbling yeah. uh, and like, wow, that's, uh, I, I appreciate that so much. And at the same time, I'm saying like, I'm so happy that, that you feel that way. Um, but I, I don't want to like compromise what I'm doing just to, to please you. Mm. I equally want to please the, the person behind you. Mm. Um, because I think that that's also, you know, like equally as valuable, um, that other people, you know, like when I see people on the street, uh, wearing the clothes, I'm like, wow, you, you actually supported the, the brand, like, and they might not even know, you know, like, and, and I still get to this day, like super humbled by that. How do you design your own life? Like, (laughs) I guess you work insane hours do you just turn it off certain weeks of the year do you not work weekends like or what what is it like it used to be very stressful and like very hectic and like very long hours and like a, a lot of work um but more and more so i think um i i've run into this you know like concept that all of these things that are happening you can actually execute that like much 
faster and then spend the rest of the time sort of like reloading and appreciating and and like um, doing all the things that you were meant to be doing because there's always more that you could do there's always more that you can push and if you're pushing every day until 11 then you get so burned out that the stuff that you're coming up with in this time is is not as good as if you're like taking the time to to recharge and and uh, really you know like value that what you're doing now is like important mm. does that make sense so yeah. you're not just like wasting your time being like constantly working on things but really taking the time to reflect on okay what is it that i sh- should be working on that's gonna like really help this to the next level yeah. um then I do a lot of sport. Uh, I do a lot of uh, running and uh, workout and stuff and try to stay as healthy as possible because um, I think that's also equally as possible. Uh, none of this would be possible if, if you didn't have a good health. So that's also a very important part of uh, your your life. Um, yeah. Was that something you realized like a few years in? Like that, like wow, okay, I need to yeah. <laughs> actually think about this too. Yeah, I mean, I've always been very competitive and, and like um, with my my life, always been doing sports. Mm. So um, it's a natural sort of like uh, thing for me. Um, but now it's like I literally get anxious if I don't work out during mm. like a day. Um, and I had this like, challenge where i went for like 500 days in a row uh and like doing sport every day how many days 500 500 i I actually made it i think to like 550 or something before i had like (laughs) one day where i was like oh i didn't do anything today um so yeah i mean and it could just be like things like a run or uh you know like even like a, a bike ride or something like that or going to the gym or doing yoga or something like that but just like doing one active thing yeah. every day um, breaking some sweat exactly yeah i wanted to also touch on like i think it's very fascinating with planning a fashion show because <laughs> i mean setting up an interview here has been <laughs> stressful and i think i'm doing four or five interviews this week and I mean, that's not even remotely close <laughs> in an astronomical perspective to what you guys are doing. But like, it's the real world, tangible stuff. It's people you're dealing with, spaces you're booking. It's last minute changes. I mean, there's so many things. Even my stress level this week has been like, <laughs> off the charts. So can you, can you like visualize for me what, <laughs> maybe now you've gotten into the process, but I guess like now it's, given that you didn't have to sleep yeah. that much this last week, but planning a fashion show, like how would you describe it? Uh, intense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I'm very much, uh, you know, like, uh, have a, uh, an organized mindset, you know, like I love solving problems. But I you're love the creative guy. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I, I love, uh, you know, like having things down to uh, a way of uh, executing, you know, like a standard operating procedure. So you know what to start with. And then from there, things can sort of like fall into its place. Um, so given that this is the third time we did it, we always do these like debriefs after uh, each show. And we say, okay, what can we uh, take from the show? What can we... Um, 
see what we've learned and then apply to the next one. And we did that the first time to the second one. And from the second one, we did it to the third one, this one as well. And, and this, the first one you had a year back at the spring and. Yeah, exactly. In uh, at Palais de Tokyo, that was like our first. We we took what we what we could from that, and then um, sort of like strategized how can we plan this as efficiently as possible. So everything that we could do um, leading up to the show, we did uh, prior to that. I mean, and mm -hmm. thankfully we have an amazing team that really puts their all into making these things happen. So they were extremely efficient and extremely organized. Like literally every partner that we have uh, uh, has complimented us on like our <laughs> structure and efficiency. Wow. And like, I can see like the lights in Victor's eyes. It's like, <laughs> they're like complimenting wow. how organized and clean everything is, is rolling because we are wow. a small team compared mm. to like some of the clients that they're working with. And they're saying like, we're way more organized than some of those guys. And, and Victor's just like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, and, and equally as much uh, me because, it's also you know like a big part of it is also trying to um sort out all the things that can that can go wrong so that the things that really matter are the ones that stress you in a way uh, if that makes sense the but, things that really oh, okay. yeah like uh, you know like if there are things that uh, you you get thrown a curveball then you have enough sort of like uh space in your head to focus on that thing because you did what you could in planning every other step um so like when we you know like when we're preparing we we do all the styling, all the style cards, all the looks uh, back in Copenhagen. We do all the photography, all the close-ups, all the details. How is it going to be dressed? We put that on boards. We hmm. pack it into individual boxes with the pictures of the fits. Uh, everything is like clean and organized. Everything goes uh, on one truck that's being sent to Paris. The whole team goes here. Everything's like neatly organized and planned with schedules for every day. What, what do we need? Need to execute how do we need to do this everyone has packing lists and everything so there is a, a lot of organizing that goes into it and thankfully we have an amazing team that that executes on that wow how big is the team so full-time now we are 14 people and with uh freelancers and and interns and everything i think we're 22 23 yeah uh, and growing uh, a lot this this year, mm. uh, hiring new people, um, trying to so, sort of like organize things into departments so there's not too much of like an overlap between people and they can stay focused on, on one thing instead of like having to <laughs> do like three things at once kind of, yeah. And you did one show in the fall. And now it's six months later, you're doing another one. Is this a thing that involves almost everybody in the company? Or? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Mm -hmm. uh, almost. I mean, obviously, the design team is way more involved mm -hmm. in, in everything. Um, the, the whole creative team is more involved in, in the creative outputs. But the business team also has, you know, like... Uh, their role in terms of like uh, making sure that all the operations, the logistics of everything is run super smoothly. Um, all of the, the buyers are notified, like all the, the sales are happening, like all of that stuff. So it's definitely a joint effort, um, but with uh, emphasis on the design team to doing <laughs> the heavy lifting. Mm. 
for a brand like Helios, Emil, what is a fashion week and what does that look like for you? Uh, you have the show. Mm-hmm. Is it also like meetings with buyers and these kind of, or what do you do during a fashion week? Yeah. So the show is like actually just like a part, one part of it. Um, it's, uh, you have men's fashion week and women's fashion week. Uh, and then you have autumn, winter and spring, summer. And then during these, there are also the sell-ins. Uh, so the sell-in periods, the showrooms. And here you have the main collection and the pre-collection. And then besides that, once a year, there's the um, uh, haute couture. So that's not something that we're part of, but that's also just like a fashion week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a bit complicated. Um, but so you have a showroom where you sell uh, to your buyers and you can have like some appointments with uh PR, press, uh, maybe some, you know, like uh, celebrities or something can come there. But primarily it's for the, the buyers to see the collection and to to put in their orders for the, the next season. Uh, and then you have the show uh, as like a, uh, you know, like a an event or a happening. Uh, and then other than that, you also spend a lot of this time uh, meeting with new potential partners, meeting with... Uh, uh, you know, like all the people from the industry um, and and kind of like making things happen. Um, and then there's obviously also other events that you're going to, uh, things where you're, you know, like showing your presence. Um, and then we have uh, another event that we're doing. We're doing a collaboration with a Japanese coffee brand. Um, and we're having like a release of a bunch of coffee objects in their store, mm-hmm. all stainless steel, like uh, a whole range of like uh, like milk jugs and uh, uh, coffee cups and oh, spoons yeah, and like yeah, all of that seen. stuff. Yeah. So uh, in their store, they're in their know. store. So they're they're going to be releasing it. We're going to serve uh, espresso martinis uh, and mm-hmm. black cookies and like everything black. Um, and listen to some good music and and have some good vibes. Uh, uh, and that's here. In- that's here in Paris. Okay. Yeah. So we actually have one that's in the evening because they have two stores here. Mm-hmm. Um, so one that's in the evening in one of their stores, and then one that's brunch the next day uh, in their other store. So, and it's just meant to kind of like show the community, uh, that we're doing different things and, and like that this is also part of like the aesthetic and, and, uh, the direction that we like. And, uh, you don't have any own stores now, right? Through no, um, we're working on, we're, we're, uh, we're doing our own store this year, uh, in Copenhagen. So you're launching your own first store. That's wow. going to be our first store. Yeah. And then after that, the plan is to open in Korea and in Paris here. Um, so that's going to be next wow. year. So yeah. the Copenhagen one is going to be like our flagship store. Um, and hopefully be like a good beta version for what we need to think about when we open a, a store. Uh, in a place like Paris. Hmm. Have you ever thought about the option of of moving the whole company to like a major fashion hub like Paris or 
Milan or New York or anything like that. Definitely. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, the plan is to to move uh, at least some parts of it to Paris here mm. um, to be more present uh, because even though we are very organized and systemized and everything, it's just not the same as like being here mm. uh, physically and, and being able to sort of like, you know, like translate exactly the things that you're doing um, and also just like working with the talent that's here is like uh way way like you have way more uh opportunities than what you would have in a place like copenhagen so it's definitely part of the plan to move uh some of like the design studio or at least some parts of the year move that design studio to to paris and and work on the collections uh, for the shows here wow. and you, were, you were talking about the like the heliot emil universe before so like lastly, you know, some I, I wanted to dive into like what do you see what do you see the Heliot Emil universe become over the next few years? <laughs> if you said over the next few weeks, then uh, maybe <laughs> you, I would maybe have like would have a known. better better answer. I can <laughs> pull you, up my okay, calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're dreaming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean honestly, I just want to continue you know, like the amazing journey that we're on right now. I'm, I'm like extremely humbled and like fortunate, uh, to be doing something that, that I love. Um, so if I can continue to do something like that, then, you know, like my, my day is made, you know, like I, I can't ask for more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hope that, you know, like that's going to continue and being super restless as I am. Um, it's, obviously not just going to stop with what we're doing now uh i think we're going to continue to expand the universe we're going to do more um interesting things we're working on uh collaborations in the uh, gastronomy world we're working on you know like big uh collaborations with uh, industries that are outside of fashion as well and that's something that's interesting to me uh, is like, how can we broaden this universe? How can we make it more than it is now? Mm. Um, and with that, also the category expansion, like what what more can we do? How can we make things cool uh, in, in other categories than we're working on now? Mm. So hopefully uh, three years from now, uh, that's what it's going to look like with two beautiful stores or three or five. Or yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it feels like you also have like a... Like there's also a connection with a lot of these things already, like with a collab with the Japanese uh, coffee brand, mm -hmm. and uh, in Copenhagen you have a lot of like furniture inspiration, I guess as well. So yeah, I, I guess it's not a short step, obviously, but it's somewhere in the same realm at least. Yeah, definitely, it's a now. it's like a natural progression, yeah. um, hopefully, and and that's also what it's important to me is also that it feels natural that we're not like, you know, like going in a completely uh, different direction, but that we're adding on to the universe and, and, you know, like, uh, giving people more ways to, to connect with the brand and, and to, um, represent and, and to show the universe. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's what I'm hoping to do is just like to connect with people, um, on as many levels as possible. And um, lastly, what's a restaurant one should not miss when in Copenhagen? Uh, I mean, honestly, I would say Alchemist uh, mm -hmm. is like renowned for their extreme uh, experience. Um, so I think if possible, if you could get a reservation there, 
uh, I think that 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 would be the one to go to. Uh, Is that as like crazy as the reservations for like some of the other? Like, I think it's the, the, the highest. There, like okay in the world oh. right now the wait list i think it's like nine months wait list nine months. or something i don't i'm not sure yeah. but um yeah and it's uh not cheap either yeah. <laughs> but apparently it's like you know like uh the the one experience in the world that is nothing like it you know uh, i mean they oh, they literally uh they have a full dome screen in the ceiling that reflects what you're eating like visually <laughs> as well um so you know like there's just so many layers to this place it's like it's insane um and they have like hired a visuals guy on the team that literally just works on visuals like a <laughs> restaurant has this yeah so that that place is beyond like uh imagination okay. um yeah so i i think if if uh if you can that's one and then I guess the second one um, would be one of my favorite places called Mundagel. Uh, it's a restaurant that does uh, open face sandwiches, the smarable. Mm. Um, and it's just uh, very, very nicely executed. It's very uh, Danish. So if you're trying to get something Danish, um, then I would go to that one. Um, like the genuine... Danish experience? Yeah, somewhat genuine. It's not everybody you know, like, in Denmark who has like, a visual team when they're... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, genuine in the way that, you know, like the, the traditional Danish uh, recipes, but it's like refined and, and like made uh, perfectly. So I think that that's uh, one of the ones that I would recommend for sure. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> Julius, thank you so much. Gustav, th- thanks thank you. so much for doing this crazy week. Oh, thank um, you for having me. It's been a really inspiring, really, really interesting uh, conversation. And uh, what are you up to next? Uh, now we are meeting with a, a partner, a collaborator uh, that we're going to work with uh, for next season. I can't okay. say who yet because uh, we haven't signed the contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, it's going to be big. It's going to be very, very uh, cool and, and very interesting. So that's what, what I'm doing now. And then tomorrow we have the coffee event. So we're, we're planning and, and doing all of that. Um, that's what's next. Thank you.